Sustainability is really an engineering problem. People talk about it. It's not what you're representing on a dashboard, but it's how can you re-engineer your product, look at materials differently, look at your supply chain. How do I take waste out of every element and aspect of what I'm doing so I can reduce the CO2 emissions and footprint? These digital technologies are the heart of, of, of assisting in solving the sustainability problem. Hello, listeners. This is Barbara Humpton, CEO of Siemens USA, and I've been looking forward to bringing you this episode of The Optimistic Outlook. I always love the opportunity to invite on guests outside Siemens who share with us inspiring perspectives in essential fields such as energy, manufacturing, and transportation. From time to time, I also find it really valuable to bring on leaders within our company, people who've been working in these fields for decades. One of those colleagues is Del Costi. He leads our business at Siemens that provides technologies such as software, automation, and AI to American industry and the federal government. Dell's customers are in transportation, aerospace, defense, pharma, and many other areas. His team is also supporting the rapid growth of the U.S. semiconductor and battery industries, as well as companies pioneering hydrogen power. I had a chance to record this conversation with Dell late last year while we were at a meeting together in Atlanta, and I think you'll find some great insights in this one. Dell has been working with industrial customers for decades. You'll hear him talk about the changes he's witnessed during this time, in particular, why there's such a big focus now on sustainability. It's not just the sectors focused on driving the clean energy transition. There's a collective industry focus now on decarbonization as a business imperative and social responsibility. You'll also hear Dell touch on a trend I talk about often, how platform models are coming to industry. He'll highlight the rapid changes happening as industrial technologies are democratized and made easier to deploy. A couple notes to give you context, a few things Dell will reference. You'll, you're going to hear Dell talk about Siemens Accelerator. This is our open digital business platform. You'll also hear Dell reference a couple announcements from last year's Hanover Messe, held in Germany. It's one of the largest industrial trade shows in the world, and you'll hear Dell reference two announcements Siemens made there. One is a virtual PLC, which stands for Programmable Logic Controller. These are the advanced automation systems used in factories globally. The second is a demonstration of the industrial metaverse Siemens created to demonstrate our work with a battery customer, Freyer. We'll put some information in the show notes so that you can learn more about both of these. All right, take a listen. Dell, it's fantastic to have you here. That's great to be here. Thank you. You know, Dell, we often talk about the fact that Siemens is 176 years old, been in the United States for 160. Here in the U.S., we've got 45,000 employees across the United States. And honestly, it's a fantastic market. Siemens has been following the global megatrends, and we've got a lot of work to do. What are your customers focused on these days? It's, uh, you know, I've been doing this for 20 some odd years, uh, focused on software. Now with the automation portfolio, it's the conversations are fascinating. And when you watch what's happening in terms of the rate of change impacting all industries, uh, there's so many things happening in the world right now that companies need to be prepared for, and they know technology needs to be front and center in everything they do. 20 years ago, you would be convincing customers that this is a journey worth being on. Now that's not the case. Now they need it from you, but their expectations are good. They expect us as a technology partner 
to bring that know-how to what they're doing. We need to bring solutions that are proven to them. We need to be able to access the data that they have and leverage it going forward. They still have to build product. They still have to design product. They have to meet customer demand. They can't afford to pause in what they're doing to figure out how to embrace technology. It's our job to partner with them and get them to that end state. I had a customer recently. It was a phrase that, that will stick for me forever. And they talked about, we need to adopt technology at the speed of relevancy. And I just love that. I love that because it says we can't do things the way we used to, which is plan a software or manufacturing project. And it would take months, if not a year, a year plus, they need to know they can consume technology now and impact their business. So it's been super exciting time. I know the team's up for the challenge. I want to ask you about the combination of digitalization now and sustainability. How focused are U.S. businesses on sustainability solutions? Oh, tremendously focused. And, you know, I, uh, we, we get a group of leaders together every year uh, in Scottsdale, and we talk about uh, the trends impacting across many industries. And it's really customers talking to customers. Sustainability clearly is front and center. But one of the things that we talk about at that event is sustainability is really an engineering problem. People talk about it. It's not what you're representing on a dashboard, but it's how can you re-engineer your product, look at materials differently, look at your supply chain. How do I take waste out of every element and aspect of what I'm doing so I can reduce the CO2 emissions and footprint? Sustainability is everyone's challenge. It's your challenge in, 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 in your home. It's your challenge as you get to work. It's your challenge when you're at work. So these digital technologies are the heart of, of, of assisting and solving the sustainability problem, and, and companies recognize that. You know, when we think about what our customers are going through, you're talking about the speed of relevance. I actually think some one of the things I've been trying to promote is this idea that we need to optimize for being in a state of constant change, right? In the past, people would say, hey, I want to go from my current state to some future. I'm going to plan it out. We're going to do change management. It'll be uncomfortable, but when we get to the new state, it's going to be nirvana. And that's not the case. Now, things are just changing along the way. And I'm curious whether you have some um, examples of customers who are consuming change. Well, they've had to look at the way they approach business differently. And, you know, I get the privilege of working in both discrete and hybrid uh, and process. So you work across these industries and you see the way they approach the market. And it's fascinating, but the volume of data, the intimacy with their end customer, um, it, it's something like it's never been before. I mean, there's just so much information out there. Customers have adapted across industry the way they bring that data in. And, you know, you hear often about model-based enterprises. Um, and, and that's really the heart of what Siemens Accelerator is all about. How do I take a model-based definition, move it through the life cycle, and produce the best product on the shop floor in a sustainable way? And I understand how I'm going to support that product and, and service. So when you think about the impact of change, just look at what's happening in the world today. COVID opened everyone's eyes to what it means to need to be flexible and adaptable. And so, uh, these systems are the heart of what it's going to take to do that. There's no question about it. It's having that digital twin capability and understand how that's going to mature through the life cycle. So if I have to get incoming requirements changes, I know how to consume those through the life cycle quickly and adapt to whatever change I need. Do I understand 
how I'm going to manufacture that product. Do I see how I'm doing it globally if I have to pivot in a direction and maybe move manufacturing capability to somewhere else? How quickly can I do that? If I understand all those resources in the ecosystem, it makes it a lot easier. Well, you and your team are working on digital threads. Yeah. And you know, I'm hearing you talk about the digital twin, you know, model-based uh, approaches your customers are using. What's the power of that digital threat? The digital threat is imperative because we all, I think most people understand the power of a digital twin. Digital twin is to get the most high fidelity model you can, which means I'm understanding the mechanical behaviors, the electrical, the electronics, the software, how do they interact together so that I can take in a virtual world and simulate a ton of iterations. And we got optimization capabilities so I could just keep running with all this high compute power iteration so I know how my product's gonna behave. There's no way to get to autonomous, true autonomous level five without it. And, and we see what's happening across multiple industries with autonomy. So uh, that digital twin is critical, but how do I get that information into the digital twin? I need that connected digital thread. And a lot of companies talk about digital thread, but the reality is I think we have a, a unique way of approaching it. We, we really focus on building the digital thread on the customer process by industry definition. So we look at each of the industries we support. We look at those major processes of our customers we map those out <laughs> on top of that then we overlay the technology we we often talk uh in the team about this idea of business outcome that's the only thing that ultimately matters to um, to our customers business outcome is 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 a triangle of three things and it's process it's people it's technology the fact is the majority of the impact on business outcome is through process so that's why we put our focus there so when we look at the digital threat it's in context of the customer process. So I hear you saying you're looking at this by market, not individual customers. What you're doing is trying to solve the problem that everybody in the market has, bring those building blocks into the marketplace. Yeah, absolutely. It's a typical 80-20. If, if we could solve it for across the industry, we understand the behavior of that industry. Customers individually will need to tailor things, no question. There, there's no two customers alike, right? They, they have different systems, different ERPs, different CRMs. Different secret sauce. Different, different secret sauce, right. Uh, the structure is different. So we're always going to tailor the solution, but if we can get the bulk uh, of, of what they need there, and then we uniquely tailor the solution to them. And the fact is we're having to embrace technologies today that allow them to be flexible and adaptable and tailor the, the, the interface to to... The, the users that they have and you know you hear the phrase citizen developers obviously we we've embraced the idea of low code to extend the solution so um, it's an exciting time uh, there's there's so many interesting aspects and by the way barb and i know you're as fascinated by this as i am you know we do spend a lot of time with very large enterprise but to watch what happens in the small and medium business with with accelerator that's pretty cool. I mean, you get to watch innovation super fast. Uh, you watch these companies just pioneer some some really cool ideas. And so this is where we're seeing uh, incredible advancements across the spectrum of industry. So that's why it's it's really a great time. Yeah, there's this vision that, you know, with the tools you all in digital industries are are introducing today, we may in the future be able to have a uh, manufacturing done much closer to the point of demand. 
And and part of that is, hey, being able to move data, not stuff, and you know, making sure that creators are building those digital blueprints, if you will, that others can then go go build against. And I know you've got customers who are today doing just that, trying to get closer to their customers. Well, it's it's look, it's a great approach for sustainability, right? I mean, um, if you if you study, if I'm responsible for my whole supply chain ecosystem for CO2 emissions, and I don't have to move product tremendous distances, um, clearly that has a CO2 impact. So I'm very interested to see how this can continue to evolve. Um, but companies are thinking about things differently today, and and we're seeing all types of, of innovations happening. And it's not just product innovation now. It's process innovation, it's manufacturing innovation, it's all the above. I, one of the best examples I've seen is in battery manufacturing. Yeah. I mean, what you all have done to give a new battery manufacturer the ability to design a cell that's more efficient, and then to build a process that cuts out the steps and maybe reduces the cycle time for delivery of the battery. But going further, then can automate the process of taking a used battery and recycling the component parts, all of that happening. But but it's more than just the software. It's where the real and the virtual come together. Talk to us a little bit about the hardware solutions you're looking forward to introducing. That that uh, I think that's going to be a next significant evolution that we're going to see. I I'm really proud to work for Siemens in that this is a legacy, super strong business for Siemens, the automation business. I think Siemens has taken a very interesting place in disrupting its own business with uh, the way it's approaching through virtual PLC. So programmable logic controllers that have yes. traditionally been these standalone on the shop for somebody going in. Physical and, boxes, yeah. you know, get on a bike, go out, <laughs> check what's in there, figure out how to fix it on the at the machine. Now we're virtualizing that, and I think you're going to see tremendous advancements, but that gives us unique opportunity. And you were at Hanover. You saw the industrial metaverse example with Fryer. That's a, a, a great glimpse into the future. And I say future, but it's really here now. So industrial metaverse, all that great capability, because we can virtualize the logic of hardware on the shop floor, because we have digital thread connectivity and digital twin, and great partnerships um, with some of the most advanced companies in the world, we can immerse companies into this environment and see exactly how their facilities will perform. And it, it, you're flying through, and it's as if you're flying through the actual facility, but it's not just a graphic simulation. It's not what, it's the gaming environment, but way more accurate than the gaming environment. It has all the physics behind it. That's going to be tremendous power for companies to do exactly what you talked about. And so now any disruption that's happening, I can take this mirrored environment and say, okay, what options do I have? How can I get back to full capacity, full production as quickly as possible, as safely as possible? So um, there's really, really, really neat things on the horizon. My prediction is that your tools what DI software has been working on these many decades is going to find its way into the movie industry because people are going to crave the, the, the yes, they want photorealistic rendering, but they also want everything to operate as it would in the real world. And only you have the comprehensive digital twin that mirrors the physics. I think there's, there's a lot of opportunity there. And by the way, uh, when I hired in, um, 
uh, visualization was a big part of what the portfolio was. And it actually was used in courtrooms to recreate crime scenes. And so that's one of the first things I saw. Combining the real with the virtual, there are just so many applications. uh, Yeah, full circle. I love it. Hey, listen, so uh, offering all of these capabilities up in a new way, we know that the platform revolution is underway and anything that can be offered through a platform will be eventually. And so here we are in a moment where you're bringing not only Siemens software, which you've had in an accelerator platform now for some time, you're actually adding in the connected devices that are going to be transformative. Tell us more about how Accelerator plays into your work. Accelerator is the backbone of what we do. And the opportunity is we, we've spent so much time on the upfront concept. And as we, as we talked about model-based definition through full life cycle, now the opportunity is to bring all that to the shop floor and really democratize it. Um, and that's why I do mention the industrial metaverse. I think democratizing the industrial metaverse and giving that capability to all is key. Um, but but clearly these are our are marketplace opportunities and we partner with, with the largest hyperscalers in the world for that purpose. So this is going to be readily, readily available for companies of all shapes and sizes. And it's going to be a must. There's going to be a responsibility at companies. It's not just going to be to deliver a profit. That's key. That's what companies need to do to provide livelihoods for their employees. But at the same time, we need to be more responsible and understand the up, upstream and downstream impact of everything we're doing. The set of capabilities, the access through the marketplace, the solution definitions, the industry focus, the digital threat, the digital twin. Uh, it's how companies need to consume that quickly at the speed of relevance and be able to put the best products and services out in the market. Yeah. Um, part of our accelerator approach um, includes an ecosystem of partners as well. I mean, I love you talk about an 80-20 approach, making sure that we're solving 80% of the problem because we can bring solutions in that's, that serve a whole market, a market vertical, a segment, et cetera. But we've got partners then who are maybe working in specific areas, helping customers achieve uh, more unique goals. Well, one of the things we've always prided ourselves, one of, one of my favorite things about our company is um, is this idea of openness. And the fact is, a lot of companies talk about openness, but the reality in our case is we have our, our visualization, the way you see the product, um, it, it's called JT technology. Well, we opened that up because it needed to be used for long-term data retention standards. So we said, okay, we'll, we'll put that out on, on the market, right? Um, our kernel, the way we do our 3D design is used by a ton of companies out there, including a lot of our competitors. So when we say open, we truly mean open. That's important when you think about the overall ecosystem and partnerships. Our customers can't be approached and said, if you want all this great capability, you have to shut off everything else and just take this. We can't do that. It's not fair to them. It's a very difficult transition. What we talked about, speed of relevance goes right out the window uh, because by the time they swap everything out, it's going to be years. Uh, And so we look at it and say, let's assess from a maturity perspective, and then we can bring parts to the table. Um, imagine though, if we didn't have existing partnerships with all these other players out there, if we hadn't thought about how we're going to connect to different technologies, 
every one of those things would be bespoke. It would be in essence one off, and that's not that's not scalable for our customers. So, yes, we we look at those partnerships because we know our customers are depending on those companies and different elements of their business. It's imperative imperative upon us to actually put some of that effort in up front so that they can get the benefit quicker when we when, when we engage with the customer. Well, I, I feel like all of this is coming together just in time, because um, when you think about the speed of relevance, what is more relevant than the fact that we're, we're in a decade of climate action, we're in a decade of massive industrial policy change, the rewiring of the supply chain for resilience, as opposed to simply low cost. And in the U.S., we've had historic legislative wins that have pointed dollars to areas that really align well with what our, our, the expertise that we bring to the table. So I'm thinking about the Inflation Reduction Act, the Bipartisan Infrastructure Law, the Chimps and Science Act, have all put money toward these sectors you and your team have been focused on for quite some time. Right. What do we have to do to meet the moment? I think we're we're on the path to meet the moment. I really do. The one element that we in the United States need to be constantly in tune with is the workforce. We can have all the greatest demand in the world. We can drive as much automation as we can. But the fact is we still need an educated, trained workforce to participate in this. We need to prepare that next generation for what the future of design and manufacturing is going to be in the United States because it's an exciting future. We can't idle it through lack of availability of talent. So we need to make sure, and I'm really happy with Siemens' approach to this in STEM in the United States and our approach to education and early education. That's something that everyone is responsible for. We all need to amp up. So you spent a lot of time, obviously, in D.C., uh, spent a lot of time with government, uh, Congress, White House, what are your perspectives on this? How do you see, what, do, what have you seen over the last decade in terms of getting us ready for this? Yeah, it, so it's fascinating that the work we do has such bipartisan support. Um, I, you know, We've been through several changes of administration while you and I have been working together. And what's clear is the stakeholders want a stronger manufacturing base in the U.S. They want more connected infrastructure, smarter infrastructure, you know, make, to make the most of the assets that we already have and also to envision and build the future. And when people ask me the question about electrification, automation, digitalization, they say, "Is are we worried about destroying jobs? And my answer to them is we actually don't have a large enough workforce to address everything that needs to be done. And so what we're working on is the technology that will elevate the role of people everywhere, really expand what's humanly possible yeah. so that we can we can produce the things the nation needs so that we can answer the call for the future infrastructure. Uh, and, and I'm proud of what we're doing to reach out. Uh, you may know, Dell, that the work of the Siemens Foundation is focused on just this. It's how do we bring opportunity to more people? How do we create programs that get more people off the sidelines into the workforce? Um, so I know that we can be a tremendous force for good as this economy continues to evolve. Dell, this has been tremendous. Thanks so much for joining us on the Optimistic Outlook. Thank you. I always love spending time with you, so I appreciate it. What a privilege to get a behind-the-scenes view from Del Costi, who has a front-row seat to the transformation happening across American industry. I'll just repeat something he said I found really important. 
It's this idea that sustainability is an engineering problem. Combine that with the knowledge that we have the tools and platforms we need to re-examine everything and make products differently. Truly now, we have the opportunity for the digital transformation of American industry. Thanks so much for listening. And be on the lookout for an episode coming soon on the industrial metaverse, which you heard a bit about in our conversation. Please follow us on social media and on your favorite podcasting platform. Thank you for tuning in.